Hi and welcome to the Next Conference Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Jacoby, and this week's episode features Pip Jameson's keynote from the Next Conference 2018. So yeah, um, Jeremy, thank you for having me. Like, you're an absolute legend. Um, so yeah, my name is Pip Jameson. I am the founder of a network called The Dots, um, which has started in the UK. Um, quick question, has anyone heard of The Dots? And I'm so sorry if you haven't, because we are primarily British at the moment. Anyone? Oh, yay, okay, I love you, thank you. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a non-tech tech founder who started a creative tech business. Um, bit of background on me. Firstly, I'm very dyslexic. Uh, what that tends to mean is sometimes I'll model words when I do talk. So if I say something, please try and evaluate the context, ne not necessarily what I said wrong. Um, uh, is anyone in the room dyslexic? Anyone? Yeah, slightly. Okay, fun fact, 35% uh, of entrepreneurs are dyslexic and 40% of self-made millionaires. So it's a superpower, congratulations. Um, so my background is, my dad was a creative. Um, so my way of being a rebel is I studied economics and maths at university. Um, and then I joined the government in the UK as an economist. Um, And I went into government with aspirations to change the world. Um, I realized that that is really hard within government, so I lasted about a year, and I'm so glad I'm not there with Brexit right now. Um, and after there, I joined the creative industries, first for the Brit Awards in London, and then I was working for Viacom, um, primarily MTV, in roles all over the world. Um, and it was while I was at MTV that I kind of discovered there was this new way of work emerging, which has led me to create the dots. Um, fun fact, I live on a houseboat in London. It's the cheapest way to live in London. It's a bloody expensive city. Um, and I swear every now and again, and I'm so sorry, and clickers is not working, so I'll go like this. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess it was while I was at MTV, I suddenly realized there was this new way of work that was starting to emerge. And we were kind of moving from this era of white collar working to what we call no collar working. Um, so the dots is all, uh, people call us like the next LinkedIn or the LinkedIn for no collar professionals. But I guess the big trends I started to see when I was at MTV is traditionally people were working in a traditional job ladder or a CV-based career. So you'd be spending five, 10, 15 years in one place, and then you'd rise your way up the ladder. However, I was surrounded at MTV with friends who were working in a completely non-linear, creative-based way. So people were increasingly adopting portfolio careers. So they'd be working three days one place, two days out of the place. Is anyone here a portfolio career person? No? Anyone a freelancer? Ooh, do you know that's really interesting? Because in London, I'd probably get about 30, 40% of the hands would go up as freelancers. And then the other thing we started noticing while I was at MTV is a lot of our work was creative-based, and I use creativity in its broadest sense of the word. But 
I was finding LinkedIn just so frustrating as a way to find and connect with people that I wanted to connect with. I found it really frustrating as a way to build my personal brand. And so I decided I wanted to invent a different way, um, which led me on to the dots. So this is what I call my baby. Um, I am a sole female tech founder. Um, so I literally, as I said, had no tech background when I started this. I just had a vision for a future that was different from what LinkedIn had. So on a very basic level, the way the dots works is people post projects on the dots and then they tag the full team around that project. So someone can put up an app, for example, and say this is the UI designer, this is UX designer, this is the front-end engineer, this is the back-end engineer. Someone can put up a campaign and say this was the creative director, this was the copywriter. And what we're trying to do is create an ecosystem where everyone gets credit for the work that they do. So things like Cannes Lions or DNAD awards are fine, but it tends only to be the seniors that get credit for that work. Freelancers never get credit for the work they do. Mid-levels don't, juniors don't. So what we're trying to solve for is an ecosystem where everyone gets credit for the creative work that they do. Um, and so, sorry if you find this confronting, but I absolutely love this magazine. It's called Repost Magazine. Has anyone heard of it? It's a smart woman's magazine. So any woman in the room start buying this magazine. It's an antithesis to all the trash that's out there at the moment. Um, so yeah, I started the boat, I started the platform on my boat in King's Cross. And we're about three and a half years old now. We have over 100,000 members, um, primarily in the UK, but 31% of our community is based outside the UK. And we have around 8,000 brands now use us to hire talent, which is sort of mental to watch when you've started it with your life savings and grown it from there. Um, but at the heart of everything we do is around diversity. So, as I said, I'm a sole female tech founder who's also dyslexic, and I experienced firsthand at MTV how corrosive homogenous teams can be for creativity. Because if we all think the same, we're going to come up with the same output. So I'll give you one example of this. We did research at the dots on how women on average search products and how men on average search products. So men on average, when they're searching a website, prefer to use free, set, uh, free text search. I nearly said free sex search. Sorry, that is my dyslexia. Um, uh, men on average prefer to use free text search. Women, on average, when they're searching a platform, prefer to some, use some sort of signposting, some sort of drop-down. The problem is, is when you have a primarily male engineering team, you're unconsciously building a product for yourself. Now, we all have unconscious bias. I absolutely have unconscious bias. Um, there is a reason. So the dots at the moment, our membership is 62% female. We're 34% BAME, which is black, minority, ethnic. Uh, we're 16% LGBT. And we also do a lot of work on neurodiversity and socioeconomic diversity. But there is a reason we're 62% female. It's because I'm a female founder. There is a reason LinkedIn is actually only around 37% female, and that's because it was founded by a man. And that's just a fact. It's my unconscious bias, and it's Reed's unconscious bias. 
But what, if we want to build the products of the future, we have to have teams that reflect society as a whole. So we do a lot of work on that at the dots. But what my talk, I guess, is more about is the trends that we're starting to see emerge um, in terms of the careers of the future and also the things I've learned along the way in terms that can prepare everyone in this room for that future. And like Jeremy, I am an absolutely glass-is-half-full positive person. I believe that life will be great, but I'm just hoping that these kind of tools will help you along the way. So I guess, firstly, this is all about creativity, and I'm, like Jeremy, a massive creative evangelist, but... The reality is, is there's three things that machines don't do very well. They don't have common sense, they don't have empathy, and they can't mimic that human capability to be creative. And I guess that's why Forbes asked if we were the next LinkedIn. So some of the trends we're starting to see at the moment in terms of that when I started the dots three years ago, we're kind of a few people on and that have been one of our fastest growing segments on the dots. So one of these categories are data editors stroke cultural content curators. Um, the reason this is a trend is there is so much information out there at the moment. There is so much overloaded information. There are increasingly need creative people to come in and make sense of the craziness of data and information overload. So this is one of my favorite creatives. Um, she's a uh, data editor for the Guardian newspaper in New York. Uh, this is her data visualization of the male-female discrepancy in the tech industry. Obviously, via dicks. No offense, guys. By the way, I love men. I just want to make it, like, equal. That's all. Um, so... Just, I mean, you get a feel for what it is. I mean, most tech companies that are out there are around 80%, 90% male. Now, scarily, I showed this to a fellow founder who was male the other day, and he said, why would I want to make my dick smaller? So he kind of was missing the point. Anyway, um, but this is a rising trend in terms of creative careers. Another huge trend we're starting to see emerge is creative technologists. So these aren't necessarily engineers or people that are doing the coding. These are creatives who are coming up with amazing ideas to make the world a better place or just looking more at finding solutions. Um, what I'm so excited about is that there's been a big change in the UK landscape recently, where when I first moved to the UK, VCs would not invest, or the big VCs would not invest in a non-tech founder. That has really shifted over the last few years, because they recognize that amazing creative people can come up with the ideas. The critical importance is they can build a team around them to execute on those ideas. So we're seeing a massive rise in creative technologists who are coming up with the idea and collaborating with engineering teams, and a massive rise in social creative um, technologists. So has anyone seen this app? Um, it's beautiful. It's called Mood Notes. Um, it was developed by an agency in London called Us2 that do about 70% commercial work and 30% uh, 
um, their own projects, their personal projects. So they, they invented Monument Valley, for example. Now, what Mood Notes is, is it's for depression, and it's a journaling tool to help you if you are low or depressed, and it's just such a beautiful example of creatives coming up with an idea to help a real-world pro problem and then collaborating with engineers to solve that problem. This is other trends we're seeing. We're seeing more and more robotics coming through. This is an example of an amazing woman called Samantha Payne, who, this is, this is an arm, this is Tilly's arm. So she's basically developed amazing robotics to replace people's limbs if they've lost the limbs. Rewilding is a big phase in London at the moment. We have lots of areas in London which are a bit shit, to be honest. Um, so it's really putting you know, the heart of, you know, the nature back into the city. Interior habitat designers, this is a beautiful work, which is um, a hospital in London where you, it's horrible going to hospital if you're a child. And so this is an interactive base where you can play with the animals on the wall while you're waiting to see a doctor. Um, experience designers, so event designers. Um, did anyone see this? campaign. So um, basically, it was recently the 100 years since the suffragists, um, suffragettes um, got the vote for women in the UK. And so it was celebrated by this amazing thing where male and female feminists came out. Uh, we all wore the different colors and we made this massive map down the street. Um, virtual habitat designers. So this is people actually designing AR experiences. And this is my favorite trend that's emerging, is ethical tech advocates. Um, what the fuck does that mean? Um, what that means is this is an amazing man called Solomon. Um, Solomon has profound disabilities, but what he does is he works within organizations to advise on machine learning strategies. So Solomon actually works at IBM. IBM were developing machine learning for disabled people with no disabled people on the team, which is terrifying. But now there are amazing people coming through that can help um, implement on that. This is not a trend on the dots, but it might actually happen at one point. Space tour guides. Who would want to be a space tour guide? Anyone? No? Yay, there we go. Um, but what we are beyond all else seeing is a monumental rise in freelancing, portfolio careers, and what we call slashes, so multidisciplinary people. And that is kind of a magic thing to watch. We're watching a lot of more fluidity going on in the industry than ever before, and the rise of entrepreneurs. So this is me. This is my houseboat, Horace. It's moored at King's Cross. If you're ever in London, come and say hi. So this, the final bit of my talk, I just really want to take a few things away of, I do a lot of work on the future of work. I'm in a lot of um, think tanks on the future of work. And I guess I want to leave behind some of the key things that you can apply now to prepare you for the world of tomorrow. So as I said, we all know that the robots are coming. Um, this is a website in the UK done by the BBC. Has anyone been to this website? Yeah, we've got another. It basically, you can put in your job title and it will tell you how quickly you're going to be automated. It's genius. Um, 
Now, I just did one search, go on to it, but I put in marketing and sales directors. Actually, there's a very low chance of automation. In the end, most people who work within the creative industries are safe-ish, as long as we evolve. Um, but we're still things we need to do to prepare, I guess, for tomorrow. First and foremost, we have to embrace our creativity. As I said, the three things that machines can't do, they don't have common sense, they don't have empathy, and they can't mimic that human capability to be creative. There will be certain things that we can automate, of course. There will be certain creative tasks we can automate. But we still have to come up with the ideas to automate those tasks. Um, I'm a massive believer in a guy called Ken Robinson. Has anyone heard of Ken Robinson? So watch his TED Talk online. It's one of the best TED Talks um, that I personally love. And Ken basically says that creativity these days is import as important as literacy. And so much to Jeremy's point, it's all about, creativity is about curiosity. And what terrifies me in the UK right now is we are teaching kids the answers. We're not teaching them how to ask the questions. This is, uh, I mentor a lot of schools in the UK, especially underprivileged schools. And these kids are literally coming out like robots, they're being taught the answers. We're not getting them curious. We're not getting them to question. Um, and in the UK, there is a massive, and I don't know if it's the same here, there is a massive obsession of our government, which I'm helping lobby at the moment, about what they call STEAM, uh, STEM, that's my dyslexia, uh, which is science, technology, engineering, and maths. Creative education has been ripped out of the UK education system, so we've had a massive decline in creative teachers and a massive decline in kids taking creative classes. So a huge wave in the UK is talking about putting the arts or creativity back into education so we can prepare that community of the future. Because in the end, soon machines will code by rule. You know, soon it will be possible for a designer, which gets me so excited, to actually design something, and the code will build for you. We're not that far off. So coding by rule, what we need to have are people that think creatively and then can apply those skills. And I mean, don't take my word for it. This is, um, this is a VC firm in London called Atomico, which is, they have one of the biggest funds in the, in the UK. These two partners are my mentors. They're incredible men. Uh, ben Grohl on the left invented growth at Facebook. Dan Hines on the right was the talent partner at Cisco, then Google, then Skype. What's interesting is every job description for engineering roles and creative roles, the first core competency they look for is creativity. So they might be hiring a CTO, but they're looking for a creative thinker who is a CTO. And this is why it's not just relevant for creators, but it's relevant for everyone. Um, the other thing is embrace your intuition. Um, we're all intuitive. We're all creative. It's just about becoming more tuned into that. I was in Silicon Valley recently. It was my first ever trip to the Valley, which was a bit surreal. Has, has anyone been to Silicon Valley? It's a bit of a weird place, isn't it? Well, sorry, shouldn't. I'm a bit, I'm a bit too honest. Um, but 
I, what was so fascinating, so I was over in the Valley, it was 15 female founders as part of Sadiq Khan, who's the mayor of London's scale-up program. And while I was out there, I think what I found slightly surreal is going to the campuses, the big campuses, and I suddenly realized a lot of technology is being built in vacuums with no connection to real-world problems and real-world people. And that's terrifying. But it also got me really excited about building a technology company in Europe. You know, every day in London, it's a massively multicultural city with loads of problems to look at. And I love the idea of tech businesses coming from places where you're surrounded by problems and different types of people. And the other thing that terrified me in the Valley is they've had to start intuition classes for tech founders to learn intuition, um, which gave me a really big insight on the kind of people that are building our tech companies out of there at the moment. We, we can do it here way better. Um, the other thing is embrace your difference. As I said, I'm a massive believer in diversity, and diversity isn't just a male-female thing, and it's not just... A, it's not just about um, male women, it's not just about um, sexuality, it's not just about your, if you're black, white, minority, ethnic. Diversity goes deeper than that. It's also about embracing things like neurodiversity. So that's dyslexia, autism, dyspraxia. All of these traits have really amazing characteristics. So just to put it into context, creative, um, dyslexics, as I mentioned, tend to be more entrepreneurial. The reason being is we tend, our brains are just naturally more creative. Um, we have deeper levels of perseverance um, and we have deeper levels of empathy. Um, and that's all be actually how our brains are wired. This amazing man here, has anyone heard of an advertising agency called AKQA? Yeah? So this is an incredible, one of my incredible mentors. He's a guy called James Hilton. He was the founder of AKQA. I was catching up for breakfast with James, and by my seventh breakfast, I'm, I'm a hugger. That's another dyslexic trait, by the way. I just can't help hugging. But by my seventh breakfast with James, I'd go in for the kind of hug at the end to thank him for his help, and he was just like, Pip, I love catching up, but you cannot hug me ever again. And then he said to me, Pip, the reason being is because I'm autistic. And I, I didn't realize, and actually he'd never spoken about his autism publicly, but off the back of that, we actually both started talking together on panels around neurodiversity. And the reason I'm mentioning this is what's, what's amazing about James is he built AKQA, which was one of the first agencies that properly did, did, um, did uh, digital design well. He built AKQA because of his autism, not despite of his autism. And I think we've got to break down those barriers. And the differences is what makes us creative. The differences is what we should celebrate. I fucking hate LinkedIn because it just breeds homogeneity. Sorry about the swearing. And what I'm trying to create is somewhere that celebrates our difference. Because when we're different, that's when real creative magic happens. But above all, be human. Um, this is an amazing woman called Obi Felton. I don't know if Jamie, um, Jeremy knows Obi. But um, Obi is head of moonshots at Google X, um, which is kind of Google's like big, crazy laboratory. Um, 
And I had a three-hour fireside chat with Obi, and it was just, she's phenomenal. Um, and she said something that really resonated with me. She said to me, I was the first human at Google, that Google X hired. She joined about five years ago. And what did she mean by that? She was the first non-PhD person at Google X. Um, and the reason Obi um, joined is to go around and check what they were developing and say, what is the human application of this? And I love that. I love, I mean, it, I wish they'd maybe done it a bit earlier. But um, what I mean by that is we have to think human. I mean, for so long, we've been thinking tech first. Yes, tech is important. For so long, we've been starting to, well, people start talking about product first. Yes, of course, the product is important. But the most important thing are the people that we're serving and the products we're creating for. So I guess my tip for the future is we just all need to be a bit more human because robots can be robots. Let's us be human. And to Jeremy's point, that also comes with a level of, I mean, to be honest, we just don't know what's about to happen. We don't know what's going to be automated. I mean, we can absolutely embrace those human qualities that will be hard to automate, but there is a chance that what you do on a day-to-day -day basis might be automated. So the, there is a massive, massive need now for continuous learning and getting happy and comfortable and excited by that as opposed to worrying about that. There will be roles primarily for everyone in this room if we continuously learn. So I just want to say, stop thinking about your job title and everyone start thinking about the skills because the more we start thinking about what fundamental skills do I have, the more you can apply those skills to a myriad of roles that will emerge in the future. I have a lot of discussions with journalists in the UK where people are like, oh, there's no jobs in journalism. But the reality is the core skill of journalism, writing, storytelling, there are so many content jobs are, are available. So start thinking about skills first. And this is my mildly only dystopian side. Sorry, Jeremy. Um, everyone in this room, because you're here, because you're curious, and because you primarily work in the creative industries, you are the lucky ones as long as you just stay nimble, think about skills, continuously learn. However, the reality is there will be people left behind. Um, Brexit in the UK has been one of the most horrific things to watch unfold as a Brit, and I'm so embarrassed by it right now. Not embarrassed, I'm just brokenhearted, I guess. Um, what's happened in the UK is and to Jeremy's point of empathizing of why people in UK chose to leave Europe, they chose because medium wage for most people in the UK has been falling. And the way to simplify that is to blame immigration. But that is just an oversimplification. The reality is it's not about immigration. It's actually primarily about tech. And this is sort of what's starting to happen. And this has led to Brexit, and this is because we have left behind people. And so I guess my massive final shout out to everyone in this room is please let's, not let, let's build the creative ethical businesses of the future, because if we leave behind these 
people, Brexit, things like Brexit happen, and no matter what your political persuasion, things like Trump happens, we need to think about the people we're leaving behind. Um, so my last final bit to avoid the robots, well, it's actually more to just to avoid the dystopian future, because I want a fucking great future, and I want to live in a really awesome place. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bit hyper today. Um, but I guess my last takeaway is less about outdoing the robots. It's just, let's just be kind, and let's just be ethical. This is an amazing woman called Julie. She's chairman of uh, Kiva. She was Obama's um, advisor on entrepreneurship. And she has worked tirelessly in the US to put ethics at the heart of everything that's going on at the moment. And I think we, but I think we can do that more on a grassroots level than ever before. Um, so yeah, my last takeout is just be kind and ethical. Um, thank you. Oh shit, that was my like brilliant slide and I just fucked it up. There we go, bye. Thank you. This was Pip Jamieson's keynote from the Next Conference 2018. And if you liked this episode as much as we did, go to iTunes, rate us with five stars, and leave a review. We're happy to hear from you. The Next Conference podcast is presented by Sonabird. Sonabird is the easiest way to record and publish your podcast on your flash briefing online. So if you think about starting with audio, starting a podcast, starting a flash briefing, go to sonarbird.io. This is S-O-N-A-R-B-I-R-D.io.